I don't know. I, no, I, I, no, I meant like I thought we were going to talk about all four movies, and then we talked about two. No, for I told you that like four times. I was like, no, you didn't. No, yes, you I didn't. did. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. once I found out we had to redo the Heisei episode, I I figured it would be. You well, you know. didn't tell me any of this stuff, bro. <laughs> oh man. Well, I don't know. Look, <laughs> life is is this a busy life? I can't tell tell you everything I'm thinking all the time. Well, we are, in fact, recording. Oh, yeah, that's impressive. So, I guess this will be, I guess this is the beginning. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) That's okay with you? I mean, you hit the record button, I guess it has to be. Yeah, you don't have a, you you don't have a say in that. I don't have, I have no power. No. I have have no power. Alright, so, um, this is Kaiju Transmissions. As always, uh, this is Bird, and and you are? I am Matt, and I assure you that this episode I will butcher some sort of Japanese name, person, town, probably some English too. That is my thing, as much as your thing is uh, starting the podcast at awkward times. Yes. Well, will you though? Because uh, we aren't necessarily going to be talking about a lot of Japanese filmmakers. Oh, trust me, I can, I can, I can find something to screw up. Oh yeah, you're you're gonna mess someone up. <laughs> mess um, something up. Uh, yes, and that does bring <laughs> us to King Kong. Now, Matt, I know this is something we talked about before we started the podcast, but we're gonna be talking about King Kong, okay? So, and 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 this is more King Kong. The original, so we're going to be talking about the original movie as well as its sequel, Son of Kong. Now, some listeners out there might be saying, like, whoa, 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 guys, this is, this is, uh, this is, what, what are you doing? These aren't Japanese movies. And we said from the beginning that we don't necessarily want to just cover Japanese movies because, A, you know, it limits what you can talk about and it's what all the other kaiju podcasts out there are already doing. Um, so, I mean, we, we did say we want to expand it to really just the whole giant monster landscape. So, you know, we'll be talking about American or Korean or British movies, you know, uh, but also it's very important. King Kong is especially important because this is pretty much tracing back the origin of everything, right? I mean... Yeah, this. I, to, this is this is tracing back the the roots of tokusatsu, as as you know it, more or less. Uh, it's no secret that uh, from a very young age, um, King Kong was Eiji Tsuburaya's favorite movie. Um, he loved King Kong, uh, the character. He loved the 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 effects. Uh, he loved stop motion. He loved Willis O'Brien, who was like his hero. And this is the movie that really inspired him to even want to do special effects to begin with. And without him, I mean, where do you get 
the Godzilla series. Without the Godzilla series, I mean, where, where, where is where does any Tokusatsu begin and end? You know, and and it all goes back to, you know, this movie and Willis O'Brien being the the real driving influences behind. I mean, why we're all talking about this today, and it it that doesn't just extend back to the Japanese either. I mean. Uh, that that goes for American filmmakers too. I mean, without King Kong, there's no Harryhausen. I mean, and and without without that, I mean, you don't have you don't really have Spielberg or Lucas or or Peter Jackson or uh, um, Terry Gilliam. I, like, I mean, the the uh, amount of influence that this movie has is almost immeasurable um and not only in terms of being like the first true what you know is like the first true science fiction fantasy epic uh i mean that's not to say people didn't do fantasy or any kind of science fiction stuff beforehand but everything you know about the modern adventure movie started with with king kong and and uh, before that, in 1925, there was The Lost World, which was kind of the more or less a test run for King Kong. Um, but yeah, King Kong is the one that busted the doors wide open, and, and we're going to be talking about, I mean, all kinds of... It's a movie of firsts, it's, it, and, it, you know, we're, we're going to be going on and on about just what this movie means, not only to us, but to, to you know, all of our favorite filmmakers, whether they be Japanese uh, effects people or you know american sci-fi directors or or what but uh the original 1933 king kong is pretty much what set everything in motion and um you know if you if you want to just be like oh, i just want to listen to you talk about japanese stuff you know i mean we'll be back with more japanese <laughs> stuff eventually you can you can tough it out a little bit we'll be some on this episode too a little bit later yeah um so just just Relax. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think we both rewatched this movie recently too, didn't we, Matt? Yeah, I watched it like two nights ago. Yeah, and I watched it last weekend. And uh, I mean, <laughs> what'd you think? It still holds up, right? Yeah, man. Uh, I watched the black and white version because colorized is kind of eh. Um, but it, it's for a movie that is over eighty years old. I was enthralled with how incredible it still looks, how awesome uh, Kong was still, and and for a movie that's like an, basically you know what hour and forty minutes or something like that long, there's so much that happens. Like once they get to Skull Island, um, it's just there's just action sequence after action sequence. And uh, I also had to rewatch the uh, other Kong movies, and I watched some of the American stuff, like the '76 remake and the uh, King Kong Lives. And like those movies lose the awe of kind of the character, I think, of Kong, and like especially the uh, the remake of '76 because they Skull Island in that film is completely neutered, and like it's this vast world of, of dinosaurs and creatures and. Um, I don't know. For me, like it was like a kid in a candy store. Because honestly, I haven't re- rewatched King Kong from start to finish in probably ten years, and 
I, I kind of felt bad for it because, like, I'm like, man, I'm stupid. This is a great movie. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but, like, it's well-written. The characters have a clear story arc. Um, they're well-developed. They, they Like, everything that happens in the movie seems to actually have a point behind it. It's not just, like, a um, disaster porn film, you know, where you have, like, the monster shows up, destroys something, and that's the end. So it's it, it's a it's a great movie. I mean, it, it's it's one of the best. Even like even if you don't like a giant monster film, like this is a great movie overall. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, uh, I agree. Um, I I mean, this is one of the few movies that I would say is it's. I mean, it's it's perfect. Like I can't really think of anything wrong with it. I mean. You could say, I mean, it, we'll get into it a little bit later, probably, but, you know, I mean, yeah, like, the, the, the things like the gender roles or, uh, you know, certain, um, uh, racial things are, are way outdated and, and, you know, by today's standards, not very sensitive, but, I mean, that... Other than that, I mean the 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 movie is it's so well crafted, it's so well paced, uh, everything holds up. It's still so exciting, and I mean it, it's a movie that was like for this to come out in the nineteen thirty three, like the Great Depression. For this movie to be made, it's like uh, it's a miracle. And, you know, you can see the the influence of this movie has reached so many different people, so many different groups of filmmakers, artists, writers. And I, I mean, the reason and the reason for that is that it's 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 a timeless it's one of the timeless American films. It's an American classic. And it's easy to lose sight of that when you start looking at like all the things that have come since. But it's a movie that it it continuously blows me away every time I watch it, uh, and a lot of it has to do with a lot. The reason a movie like this even happened, a lot of that has to do with with the people that made it. Um, so, it, like, if the people that made it weren't so eccentric, this movie wouldn't have happened. And if this movie didn't happen, like, I don't know what what film we film would would be like right now uh especially within you know the stuff that we love the monster movies the science fiction stuff horror films like it um like how much do you know about like the 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 background of this movie or like the people that made it and how it even happened shamefully not a lot to be honest i mean like because i've always been a huge godzilla fan and it probably wasn't um like I like my notion of King Kong as a kid was always from uh, primarily like you know King Kong versus Godzilla and, and to be honest as it like a kid I hated King Kong because of that but um, and then I saw you know like when you're growing up you don't always look at uh, like black and white movies you're kind of like and eh, that's too old I want to watch it now like I kind of go back and wish I had an appreciation for this stuff as I do now because. Um, I don't know a lot about it, to be honest. I mean, I know, obviously, Willis O'Brien, and he has a, <laughs> so much tragedy in his life, especially when we get to the next film. Oh, God, uh, yeah. I don't even... <laughs> yeah, like, uh, it, it, but, um, yeah, I, I think I'll rely on you to basically uh, explain maybe some of the, some of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm... I'll, I'll do my, I mean, I know, uh, um, I tend to ramble sometimes, but I'll try to keep it as cliff notes as possible, but, um, I mean, it begins with with Marion C. Cooper, who was the producer 
and um, shared directing duties. And, uh, I mean, he is the creator of King Kong. He is to Kong what, you know, Subaraya and Honda and uh, um, Tanaka are to Godzilla, you know. Um, and he kind of had a... I mean, he pretty much is Carl Denham, who... You know, is the the guy that leads the expedition, brings Kong back to New York. That character is partially based off of him, um, and uh, his character in Mighty Joe Young is a l- even more uh, has even more Cooper in him. But uh, his whole thing was he was he was a director who loved to go to exotic locales and shoot things that you know people would not have never see before. Um, he did some documentaries. Um, uh, he did um, like a, a movie called uh, Chang, um, which is all like set in the jungle. Um, uh, Grass, which was like a, I, I believe it was a documentary about like a, a certain tribe or something. But his whole thing was going to these exotic locales, islands, jungles, and 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 he, I mean he was like denim he he literally like would w- walk up to uh, a, a wild tiger with his camera and tell it to smile and you know and shoot a reel of, of a tiger and um and that was really where a lot of this gestated and um he he was very in tune with you know uh um you know, just exotic animals and things. And he particu- he read a book about gorillas, which really kind of made him fascinated and obsessed with gorillas. Uh, and the closest thing to King Kong that he kind of had an idea for before that was he, he was uh, reading a, a report about Komodo dragons. And he was thinking, like, wow, wouldn't it be interesting if I made a movie of, of gorillas and Komodo dragons fighting? Um... And, uh, you know, it's it's, it's one of those, back then, that was, like, a crazy idea, and it's like, oh, well, you know, you can't really make that happen. Um, And uh, so that's really what you need to know about him. Now, Willis O'Brien comes in when uh, he was, uh, so after The Lost World, um, which, again, was kind of like a precursor to this, uh, which is a dinosaur movie. Uh, about an island full of of dangerous dinosaurs. He he was the director of that movie was getting ready to do a, a project called Creation, um, which was going to be uh, another dinosaur movie um, set in a, a jungle with a bunch of dinosaurs. And he got Willis O'Brien to agree to come on and bring his crew um, to do some test footage. And they're trying to get the, this movie Creation off the ground. And, um, uh, when it got to Cooper, you know, he really wasn't interested. He didn't really like the script. He didn't really like the story. He just thought it was kind of like, eh, whatever. But he was like, you know, this guy, O'Brien, the stop motion animator, um, you know, there's something to him, you know, maybe he can help me get, get this gorilla movie made. And, um... Uh, and, and where Cooper got the idea to make Kong a, uh, a gigantic is kind of unknown. Uh, some people say that, um, he, uh, always kind of wanted to, but really the most common, I guess, myth is he, uh, had Willis O'Brien draw him a picture of 
some adventurers in the jungle um, confronting uh, an ape. And just for dramatic effect, O'Brien drew the ape much bigger, maybe about 10 feet tall. And a lot of people kind of believe that that's what kind of made a, a light bulb go off in his head to say this should be a gigantic gorilla instead of, you know, just a normal one. Um, and so, I mean, from there, King Kong was kind of born, uh, and he brought in, uh, some ideas from, uh, creation, and, um, uh, that's kind of where, where he got cracking on, on getting the scripts written, uh, and the movie was being rewritten a lot, uh, leading up to production, and, um, uh, it, he was having a very hard time getting this made, uh, and when David O. Selznick uh, became, um, he moved to run RKO, which RKO was practically bankrupt, and what had happened was when uh, Selznick came in, you know, he kind of had a relationship with Cooper, and kind of, you know, ended up eventually doing giving the green light to King Kong, and King Kong's success actually saved the company from bankruptcy. Um, and uh, <clears throat> from there, a few scripts were drafted, and um, uh, Ernest Shodesack, uh was kind of came out. He was kind of like Cooper's filmmaking partner in a lot of previous projects. He came on to do... Um, uh, directorial duties as well, and um, they finally got the green light to make King Kong while they were shooting the most dangerous game, um, and that's also why the two. If you watch the two movies, there's definitely you can see some sets like the log that they run a, a, a <laughs> across. You can see the exact same sets being used. Um, so yeah, I mean that that's how that's how the movie came about. And then Willis O'Brien was uh an animator who really kind of perfected stop motion photography. He did a lot of short films about cavemen and dinosaurs before The Lost World. And then The Lost World just busted things wide open for him. Um that that was the movie that really blew people away. Um, which is 1925. People thought those were real dinosaurs in that movie, uh, which I were, people were people were stupid back then. It <laughs> was like the like like one of the first like theatrical showings was that clip of that train like coming towards the audience, and people like thought it was like going to hit them. Like I don't know what. <laughs> <sighs> it's just it's hard to believe that I don't know that that was ever like the what people thought when they went to movies um but uh but yeah and o'brien his his main uh partner was uh ricardo delgado who was a uh like a a sculptor and an artist um that o'brien met at a at a grocery store and he saw some of his work and he he tried to get him on board to work with him on movies and he was like you know i have a job here i don't i don't know if i want to do that and then, you know, he eventually did the smart thing and quit working at the grocery store and worked with Willis O'Brien. And he's the one that built a lot of the armatures, which is like the little skeleton that is uh, of, the, of the stop-motion puppets. And, um, and then uh, Kong himself was made out of, uh, like, his fur was rabbit fur. And um, 
that's why it seems so fluffy in certain parts. Um, uh, but yeah, and then uh, they also built... I mean, now we're just talking about the things that these guys all did that were so groundbreaking. They, they built... Um, <clears throat> uh, the giant Kong hand and the giant Kong bust. And those things were like huge. I mean, you can look at pictures of people standing next to them. And again, like we're talking about things that up till now had not been seen in a movie. Like th this just did not really happen. Um, and I mean, you know, I don't want to keep going on about Willis O'Brien because everyone knows that he's a genius and, and those stop motion effects are, are fantastic. And, um, but like, look at the, like, even by today's standards, whether it's a man in a suit, a CG creation, what another stop motion creature, whatever, compare it to Kong in that movie. And, and Kong just oozes, personality like you see him get fierce protective quizzical um like so many like subtleties in his facial expressions he's a fully realized character and even even like the t-rex like the you know the fact that you can see it like breathing like i mean in 1933 people weren't doing that with special effects it didn't happen like uh and then I mean, then I mean, if you the the score by Max Steiner is great, and yeah, it's, um, yeah, it, and it, it's one of uh, uh, the first movie scores. I mean, it might even be the first movie score where the music is playing and uh, complementing the action on screen throughout the film, because this is still in the early days of sound movies and. So just the things that this movie did with sound effects, um, like before this movie, sound a lot of sound effects were recorded on screen as as the movie is 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 happening on like a single a single track tape. Um, this movie uh, was one of the first to use like a a three track film to record sound, um, and yeah, it's it's the 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 first score where the the music really complements the action on screen and um and just so many of the things that they do with sound like you know when the the native uh chief is walking towards them and like each footstep is like boom 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 <laughs> like but before this movie you didn't see that and yeah. so so when i say that this is a movie of first like it it really is in like every sense of the word and and i mean not just the first oh the first you know big giant monster movie but it's it's the first of a lot of things one of the things that um there there's actually a video on youtube and i was trying to find it I, um but they basically try to recreate i think it might, it might be from stan winston i'm not sure the the um the school or whatever that they have, but they try to recreate some of the stuff in Kong, like shot for shot to show how difficult it was. But like some of, they would have like a, a matte painting and they would use like a special camera and then they would actually bring, um, like a, an, a background forward and be shooting stuff behind that. And then actually have like a, a painting for the actual mat. So like, it was just incredible. All the details that went to produce like the, the vast, um, expanse of like skull island 
that like to me that that is the most mind blowing thing about the movie is like the lavishness and the detail that goes into like just the island itself. Not not just like everything that happens with Kong and, and the, the dinosaurs and, and the way they move, but like just how awesome the surroundings themselves look because that had to be so hard and painstaking to create. Oh my god, I know. Like like, <laughs> like I mean there's certain scenes like um like the part where he's in the cave and he ends up fighting the the like the plesiosaur or whatever like just the, just within there okay you have king kong and you have the dinosaur fighting but even outside of that you have like several matte paintings yep and then you have fay ray in one corner which is like projection of fay ray onto like the miniature set and then in the bottom corner, you have, like, that, I guess it's, like, tar or, like, um... Some sort of pit or something. Yeah, it? and it's, like, constantly bubbling, and, like, that scene alone has, like, dozens of effects just in that one scene. And it's, like, I mean, it, sure, like, effects now are great, and, you know, CG crews work painstakingly to to get that stuff to to life too but it's really like uh the the whole conversation of okay i can look at a scene and say like okay that cg green screen whatever but this is like you look at it and it's like wow like before they had all that they had to be really innovative and come up with all so many new techniques to to make these scenes happen and you know, that's kind of something you lose with modern movies is because you, you already know how the effects are made beforehand, you know. There's not not any fun in going back and saying, like, oh, how did they do this scene in The Avengers? It's like you know it's green screen and CG, but then you go back at this and you, you look into it and you're, you start reading about, like, effects in shots that where you didn't even know that there was a special effect because there's so much going on. Yeah, there, there, there's so many shots in that movie that are awesome. And... and- I think my favorite shot in that entire movie is when Kong actually breaks through the the wall in Skull Island, Skull Island um, and he, he like pushes through, and there's like a bazillion people in front of him, and there's like that shot of him pushing through the the gate itself, and it's just kind of like, holy crap! You realize how massive he is for the first mm-hmm. time, almost. That that shot is is, is also in the Ian Thorne book, um, King Kong. That as a kid, that I, I probably checked out like a dozen times. Um, or was, was, did, did Ian Thorne do that book too? He did yes, the Godzilla yeah, book. Yeah, he did he all did, those. He, he did all those. Yeah, but that's probably my favorite actual shot in the in the film. And then I think the T Rex fight is just amazing. I watched the T Rex fight. That's still one of the best monster fights ever. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it's it, and it blows the the O five like V Rex crap completely out of the water in my mm-hmm. opinion. And both of those creatures show so much personality in that in that fight too. Like it's they, yeah, they, they really do. Um, I, I, seriously, man, this 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 was a great movie. I there's nothing that I can really say negative except for about like like you talked earlier, um, just kind of outdated sort of stereotypes, gender yeah. roles. Well, I mean, look at like the relationship between Anne and Jack. It's kind of a typical like. <laughs> damsel in, dispre- in, in distress and yeah. like the and you know i mean he's he's mean to her the whole time and, and he ends up, <laughs> she ends up marrying him um i'm not uh as far as like the racial stuff i think the almost the most offensive one is charlie the cook who i love that character he's oh yeah that is by far the worst yeah I, and i mean that character is a lot of like he's he's 
he's witty, he's funny, he's resourceful, but yeah, that one that's that's a really <laughs> yeah, outdated so stereotype. And I mean maybe a little bit with the Islanders, but that one I don't know, that one doesn't bother me as much just because it's not like there aren't any tribes out there that are completely cut off from society. Um yeah, they they definitely still are. Yeah, um, like I, I like I wouldn't call that necessarily racist because then it's like okay, like is like Green Inferno racist? Like there are <laughs> there are tribes out there that like are completely cut off from society, and I know our our buddy Jelly. Um, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm sure it it was like half joke, half truth. Like he made like a comment about how the movie is like about how uh, like. Blacks should keep their filthy mitts off off our women or something, and you know it's a it's a funny rib, but I I I but I do know that that's kind of what a lot of people think, but I don't know. I never really took it that way, and I think a lot of people these days read a lot into like the racial stuff. Like uh, I forget what it was called, but there was a whole book written about this movie and racism, and it, it was basically saying like King Kong. This probably says more about the author than it does about the movie, but that King Kong himself was like a metaphor for how like uh like blacks should stay away from white women or something. But I mean the the real reason King Kong is a gorilla is because Marion Cooper was obsessed with gorillas. Like I you know, I, I think it's one of those things where sometimes a cigar is really just a cigar, as the expression goes. <laughs> Like, he had a freaking dream about a giant ape attacking New York. Like, that was the whole – like, that's where it started. <laughs> people are stupid. <laughs> just uh, – people read into stuff all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's just dumb. Right. Kong is awesome. Um, oh, and, and then uh, speaking of Faye Ray, um, definitely the first, I guess, what is considered now Scream Queen – um, oh yeah, literally yep. <laughs> and uh, figuratively, because you know she went on to the star in a lot of horror movies, um, and uh, I think she was the last person that was involved with this movie that lived, um, and she passed yep. away, I think in two thousand five or something. But yep, I think she she passed away shortly within the release of uh, the O five film. Yeah. Um, uh, and for a while after this, after like the the production code, which is like before the rating system, what censored movies came out, like uh, they cut out a whole bunch of stuff. Um, they cut out the part where he ripped off her clothes. They cut out the part where, which we were talking about the other day, that's awesome, where he's like stomping on the villagers and like <laughs> putting them in his mouth and stuff. <laughs> um, Freaking love that part. Yeah, uh, they cut out. Uh, I guess a lot of the more like violent stuff, but. And I got. I think for a little while that was thought to be lost, but like what always happens with some of this stuff, uh, it was found and and put back into the the movie. Now, one thing that was never cut out um, was the spider pit scene, um, which is infamous, like one of the most famous lost movie scenes ever. There's a couple stills out there, and that's the, as close as we're gonna get. Um, and uh, at first, pe- I, Cooper originally said that he took it out because he thought it was too scary. But then, in a, a letter that he uh, had written to someone at the studio, he admitted that he he took it out just because he felt like uh, it just slowed the movie down. Um, and you know, they didn't need a, another big effects scene. And 
Um, and I can I can definitely see and respect that. It's just it's it's just so unfortunate to me that back then, when movie scenes got cut out, you know, we weren't doing digital film. There was no DVD. I mean, usually they just threw stuff out, and so we'll never. There, it, it just I mean, it, it's kind of painful to know that there's another scene from King Kong animated by Willis O'Brien with a bunch of cool creatures that we're never going to get to see. Yeah, but you know, uh, what's his face? Peter Jackson tried to redo it. (laughs) He did. Um, And I know he got some criticism for the same thing. Like, you know, this movie's already long. Do we really need it in there? And I mean, that's a different debate. But I will say that, like, honestly, if I was Peter Jackson, I would almost feel like I had to do it, too, just because it's... It's like, you know, I mean, we're never going to see the original, you know, so if you have a chance to, to try and honor it, go for it. And that does, that does bring me to, um, if you have the DVD, uh, there's a great special feature in the uh, making of documentary where Peter Jackson and, uh, and his Weta crew, um, well, he sat down with a couple of guys, I think uh, Frank Darabont and Rick Baker, and the three of them studied the script for the movie and they ended up recreating in stop motion black and white the spider pit scene uh shot for shot and the the a lot of movie scripts don't have shot lists in them but uh the king kong script did have a shot list so they they shot for shot based on on the surviving script recreated the spider pit scene um which was really cool actually did you have you have you watched that i'm not i need to i need to make sure i see that that sounds pretty awesome do you have which DVD do you do you have? Um, it's the the I'm trying to think. It's the the special edition with the. Uh, Does it have two discs? Yes. Okay, put in the second disc, and uh, I mean, there's a great making of where you can learn uh, a little more about a lot of the stuff that we've talked about so far. But um, but yeah, it's it's in that making of um, you get to see Peter Jackson and the guys at Weta. Um, you know, you get to see them remake all of O'Brien's old models and they animate, um, the spider pit scene. And they also animate another scene, um, that was cut out where a Styracosaur, which is kind of like a Triceratops is chasing, um, the sailors, like the, the part where they're running across the log. Um, a lot of people don't realize that when they, when they're running across the log, there, there's nothing chasing them. Yeah, they they get chased and then the yeah, yeah. And, and that's how they went wind up on the log to begin with, and they also redid that part too, um, and it's really cool. Like uh, that, you should check that out like immediately, um, uh, because I mean it's the closest we're going to get to see to these uh, these cut scenes that they did, um, and it, it, it's also a lot of fun seeing like the Weta guys try to recreate. Uh, these stop motion yeah recreate stuff doing uh uh these old techniques and um yeah it's it's a really cool thing to to take a look at so uh i mean i feel like we're both gonna say this movie is five out of five (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely how do you how do you you not rate that a five yeah i mean is it is it i mean you the thing is you had a as kids, I mean, you had Iji Tsuburaya went and saw this movie, and uh, and then Ray Harryhausen went and saw this movie. And if those two guys didn't see this movie when it came out, 
where would we as as kaiju fans where where would we be right now you know yeah without without kong no no godzilla without that no alternate like the, <laughs> it's just a very linear path that all kind of goes back to 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 king kong and uh it it's it's pretty awesome and, and you know what what's even cooler is maybe not cooler but what what's pretty awesome is the fact that toho would later be able to kind of you know play their hand at kong yeah um yeah for sure um how they got the rights is another story, but <laughs> yeah, that's not that's that's the bad part of the story. <laughs> um, but <laughs> that's the bad part. but yeah, and and I mean, I I would even vouch for for Toho in saying that. I mean, the, their their enthusiasm for King Kong in the in those two movies is very. Um, uh, it, you can you can sense it on the screen, and uh, and you know I know Subaraya was was so. Um, happy to be able to to work with the king kong character i mean it is it was his favorite character and before he ever even made a king kong versus godzilla you know he would he would tell his children when they were kids he would just make up king kong story like adventures and tell them to to them and which is awesome yeah and and so just what what this movie did for you know i mean everyone knows this movie had a huge impact on you know american genre stuff but also i mean the impact it had on the japanese is immeasurable and uh back then when copyright laws were a little more lax uh speaking of lost stuff there were uh <laughs> two japanese uh king kong movies made shortly after this in the 30s um uh one was uh king kong appears in edo and one i think was just called uh King Japanese King Kong, I think, <laughs> and you you can see some stills out there. They're not they're they're not very. Uh, I've heard of the Edo movie. I've, I've definitely heard of that one. Yeah, they're they're not very. Um, they don't look very good, uh, but. Um, and, and as far as I know, I think they were all lost in the the fire bombings of Tokyo in World War II. But it's interesting to to look back and and piece together, you know, maybe like plot details or look at some of the stills that are out there, because um, because there are a couple images out there. Um, uh, but yeah, and King Kong himself doesn't look very uh, <laughs> flattering in in either of them. Um, so in a way, so yeah, I mean, I hate to 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 break it to you, but Godzilla was not the first uh, Japanese giant monster movie. Um, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Subaraya, he, I mean, he ended up being able to secure his own personal film prints of King Kong and uh, Mighty Joe Young, and when he made Godzilla, he he showed everyone those those films and. Um, he lent uh, those prints out to Nakajima to kind of study, like, the monster movements. And, I mean, the, he loved this stuff. Um, and it's easy to see why. Um, so... The, the Son of Kong, doesn't it? Uh, it does. So the same year, um, Son of Kong came out the same year. Uh, King Kong came out and was huge, and then... Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think that, that, you know, a lot of the people that worked on it were kind of 
skeptical that you know they they really didn't even they really said like you know if we do this we're really not gonna make an attempt to top the first one we can't do it um uh but yeah uh now back then it, it wasn't it probably wasn't until like the 80s that sequels were started to become like bigger and uh back then in in hollywood if you wanted to do a sequel you're gonna get a significantly less but uh a smaller budget um than you did the first time because it's like eh, the sequels are kind of like a cleanup or just kind of like a really quick cash in more than okay we got to make this bigger we got to make it better it's more like okay here's a couple extra bucks make another one and make make us a couple more dollars on it um and you can see that in a lot of film series like uh i'm a big planet of the apes fan and as, as that series goes on it's like okay it's <laughs> the movies are clearly getting cheaper um and so son of kong uh was made for roughly half the budget of the original movie um and uh i know willis o'brien had i mean the guy was a genius and he had so many more ideas he had like so many more giant action scenes and uh scenes with different dinosaurs that he wanted to do and rko were just like no 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 no. we we can't spend that much money again like this is what you got and make it work and he he was very frustrated with that um and uh so he he wasn't able to do a lot of scenes that he really wanted to do um which uh also um is why uh i guess i guess the that's a little bit more why this movie is a little more comedic i think that they they felt like okay, we can't deliver on the action, so how can we still keep it fun? So that's why this one skews a little bit more towards being like a kid's movie with way more kind of cheesy humor um, because I guess they thought that's the the best way that they can keep people entertained without having all these e- extravagant scenes, one of which was a dinosaur stampede, which um, Peter Jackson recreated in the his remake to less success than his Spider Pit recreation um i like his spider pit sequence but that brontosaurus stampede it just has to go um <laughs> i hate that oh, it's the worst it's bad yeah um and uh and so i mean his enthusiasm willis o'brien's enthusiasm for the movie really wasn't um uh you know it wasn't so much there at that point so um he he kind of he left a lot of the animation to his assistant um and he he you know even though he did work on the film he asked them not to to put his name on it um and uh so you know he just thought it he, he described it as just being cheesy and you know not up to to what he felt like their capabilities would have been if they'd been given more money um uh, and then that's also, so 1933 is what really, I mean, O'Brien had the most cele- celebrate, that was the biggest celebration of his career was King Kong, but, um, you know, again, more why he wasn't as involved with Son of Kong is his, his personal life was, at this point, 
kind of spiraling out of control. Um, yeah, that's putting it that's putting it mildly. And uh. um, and I mean, I mean. Uh, I think at some point I w- we will end up doing just a whole episode just about him because we can talk about King Kong and Son of Kong all day, but there's so much about him and uh, you know other other projects that we can talk about. But really, if you look up his career, the whole thing is just r- riddled with sadness. Uh, whether it's just dozens of unrealized projects that sounded great to just problems in his personal life. Um, but uh, I mean, 1933 specifically um, saw. Uh, well, I mean, he'd already kind of developed a little bit of a, a drinking habit at this point, and um, he had separated with his wife, um, and they had two kids uh, that he remained close to after they they had separated. Um, and one of his kids ended up going uh, completely blind. Um, around the same time, and uh, O'Brien, um, uh, you know, he used to like bring his his two sons with him on his set visits and stuff like that. Um, and then uh, a few weeks after uh, his one son went blind, uh, his his uh, former wife Hazel uh, shot and murdered both of 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 their sons. And then she attempted to kill herself, um, uh, which didn't work, um, but she ended up dying uh, the next year in the Los Angeles General Hospital prison ward. Um, uh, and so, uh, again, this is uh, that combined with behind-the-scenes drama on Son of Kong. I mean, it's... At this point, like, can you imagine being someone that just made, like, one of the best movies ever, and you're you're leading, like, the worst life? Really. That, I mean, I don't even... I have no words, Bird. I have no No, words. (laughs) Like, what do you even say to that? Like, God, and then, Yeah, and then... You know, you, you still just continued projects that he can't get off the ground, and then it all ends with uh, John Beck fucking him over, and then he, he <laughs> dying right before King Kong versus Godzilla comes out. Like, oh man, it it, it really is it such sadness. And his other movies, <laughs> the stuff we were talking about, the other like projects that he wanted to make sound incredible. Yeah. Um, now, on uh, late in 1933, he did marry his second wife, um, and he stayed with her until he died. So, I mean, God, I, I hopefully that woman brought some joy into this man's life because it's just uh, it's it's a downer story. But yeah, he had a lot of great ideas. I mean, well, King Kong versus Frankenstein, which was hijacked by John Beck and turned into King Kong versus Godzilla. Um, Guanji, which, you know, Harryhausen made in honor of him after, after he passed, but at least it got made. But, but yeah, I mean, there was, um, my favorite is War Eagles, which is described, <laughs> the Wikipedia <laughs> description's great, uh, about a race of Vikings riding on prehistoric eagles who fought dinosaurs. I, I, this movie, like, my life needs it. <laughs> like, I, I, need- I, like I and see, this is a thing, like, we bitch all the time about, like, Hollywood doesn't have any ideas, like... Can't someone like go to his like the Willis O'Brien estate and like dust off some of these and 
and like cuz cuz some of these ideas are just so cool and like i just you know i mean harryhausen was was awesome enough to do valley of guanji in the 70s like can't like i don't know can't like steven spielberg like be like hey Let's make War Eagles. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's such a sweet movie. In a perfect world. I know. Um, I, we need to, that movie needs to happen somehow. <laughs> yeah. Let's um, make one of those dumb, uh, pointless fan petitions to make some. We need to petition like <laughs> legendary. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh yeah, and then in 1960, uh, that Lost World uh, remake came out, and they hired him. But then they just said, you know. You'll just be a consultant because we're just gonna glue fins onto onto real lizards. <laughs> like, <The> worst. <laughs> oh, this poor guy, man. I, I literally, I, I, I don't even like. It's like, do you understand what I made before? <laughs> Why did you hire me? Uh, I honestly, I wonder if that's how uh, Higuchi ended up feeling on Shin Godzilla because. <laughs> I mean, he's like the. You don't go to him if you're just gonna fuck around. Like, you know, you you go to Huguchi because you want the best, and then it's just gonna be like, oh, never mind. We're just gonna do all CG. Like, I often wonder if if you know yeah. it was a situation like that. That whole prop um, that wasn't used, or like, uh, we made this prop yeah. and we're just not gonna use it. O'Brien <laughs> <laughs> like, um, did get an award, uh, an Academy Award for Mighty Joe Young. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, generally, I feel like you know he he doesn't get enough credit as being really the father of modern special effects, and I mean, King Kong is more or less the first movie that set the like blockbuster adventure formula. Um, but no, uh, uh, so now that we got that out of the way, I mean, just how did, how did because uh, this is another one that we both rewatched, I think, this week. Yep. Um, how, I mean, how do you feel like Son of like, Son of Kong doesn't have the best reputation around? Um, I mean, how how did you feel like it held up? Did you? I mean, yeah. What, so my my first experience with Son of Kong was was probably when I was like I don't know ten or something like that, and it, it was okay then. But yeah. like watching it now, I actually liked it quite a bit. Um, yeah, I, I I probably saw it when I was around it, the same age, maybe like eight or something. But that was back when uh, you know we had awesome late night movie marathons like Monster Vision and stuff on TNT. Remember those? Did yeah, you? man, Monster Vision was great. Yeah, um, and I, I had taped uh, TNT. They showed the colorized version of Son of Kong on something that was pretty much the same thing called a hundred percent weird. Um. Even though I, 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 you know, always watch my DVDs, I still have all these old VHS tapes, um, and I probably won't ever get rid of them. But, um, but that's how I first saw it. And as a kid, you know, I really liked it. And then as an adult, I'm kind of with you. Like I, I just think it's fun. Um, it's a very short movie. It's a just barely over an hour. I think it's yeah, yeah, yeah an and, hour and like ten minutes or something. Um, like that. and you know it moves really quick, and uh, you know it it, it 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 starts with um, you know it's it, it's really interesting the idea of Carl Denham now being you know he's a pariah, you know he's you know in debt. He owes. He's being sued by so all these people, like families of people that Kong killed, or, or property owners who Kong's. Uh, destroyed their their property um and that's a really uh cool idea to to start a monster movie i mean once once they get back to skull island you know you're not worrying about that anymore 
Um, <laughs> and I, I think a lot of people kind of have issue with two things. One is just how much um, it's 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 got so way more humor, and the humor is a lot more like goofy or juvenile. Uh, most of it is like a lot of like mugging and goofy expressions by the little Kong, um, whose official name is actually Kiko. Do you know that, Matt? I did, but only because you told me before the podcast. Uh, <laughs> um, which uh, is an abbreviation of King Kong. Did you know that? I mean, no, but yes. <laughs> um, and... Uh, and and then also the abrupt ending. I mean, it's got probably the ultimate Deus Ex Machina, where it's like, oh, an earthquake. Oh, the island sunk by. Like, and then the movie ends. But, but it's not just an earthquake. It's like they say earthquake, and then it starts raining suddenly. You're like, what? What? What did I just watch? I don't understand what happened. Man, they didn't know what anything. Like, they didn't know what hurricanes were back then. Uh, apparently not. <laughs> I mean, they thought the dinosaurs were real in 1925. I mean, maybe they thought the earthquakes always had rain. I don't know what's wrong with these people. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, and it's obviously much, uh, much lower budget movie. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a fun movie. It's light. It's breezy. It, it, it goes by quick, and it's never boring. Yeah, and, and Kiko is charming, and Hellstrom is a douche, and he gets what he deserves at the end. Right. <laughs> like, that's what, and yeah. they, they reused the, the Brontosaurus prop for that sequence, and you're like, yes, finally he meets his end because <laughs> you're waiting for that the entire movie for, for it to happen because he, you know, obviously he kills uh, Hilda's father early on in the film. Yeah, and you're he, like, this he guy reminds me a lot of, uh, of the, the bad guy in um, Gamera versus Baragon. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's the same the guy. Worst. Yeah. That dude is the worst. They're like long lost brothers or something, probably. Um, and, you know, uh, Carl Denham's always awesome. Yeah, he, he is. Inglehorn, too, is like, he, he just seems like the, I don't know, he, he kind of brings like levity to it. Yeah. The skipper, I, yeah, he's great. One thing that I did notice that's probably more like me coming at it as an adult with uh, more. Um, I don't know, more understanding of a lot of things is both this movie and King Kong, I was very uh, entertained by how, like, the dialogue is very, very quick, very snappy, and, uh, like, these characters that we're all talking about, in both of these movies, they're very witty, like, um, and, you know, it's always fun to hear, like, old expressions and stuff, but just in general, like, they're very clever, it's, like, the, the, they're very well-written in that, um, you know, they're they're very easily relatable. I think because of of you know how how quippy and witty they are. <laughs> Skipper like hates Hilda the entire movie. He's like making fun of her singing. I was oh, which cracking. is it's the worst. <laughs> I was cracking up. That like, show uh, is is awesome though, with like the monkeys playing instruments. Yeah, it, it was it was. I don't know, man. I I really liked this movie actually. Like it was it was entertaining. Uh, Kiko dying at the end was very sad, and you know me, I'm 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 a big softy and sentimental and all that stuff. So I'm like trying not. I'm, I'm holding back the man tears as his yeah. foot's stuck and he's sinking. And <laughs> yeah, ha- like, having kids like broke you. It man, it did. I I don't know what happened. Like when you, I was always a softy, and then once you become a father, like there's this thing that happens that instantly, when anything like is going to die or it relates to like saving other humans, it just it re- somehow it relates to you and your child. I don't know how that works, but like it it does. That's like and, what ruined Steven Spielberg. I don't know what happened. 
Like, uh, he Spielberg's often said like if he made Close Encounters now, he wouldn't he wouldn't have made had the had it with the same ending. And it's all because he had kids. So, yeah, man, it, it seriously like it 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 changes your uh, perspective on things. Like a movie, a stupid movie like King Kong Lives, man. Like that movie is is I have a nostalgic love and appreciation for it, but it's not good. And even that movie, which is like objectively terrible at the very end i'm like sitting there like oh gosh like trying not to hold myself together because kong's witnessing the birth of his child and dying <laughs> like what's going on like what is going on he's a stupid monster movie uh, so oh, don't man. have kids people that's the I lesson <laughs> i think i think burr's just trying to say that to himself <laughs> um so what what would you give uh Son of Kong on a, a a five star rating. How many how many uh, uh, house chewed up drunk housedrums do you give it out of five? Um, on a on a good day, I'm gonna give this a three and a half because I really enjoyed it. Like there there's a definite the the biggest issue is the ending, but I like the ending enough to where like it doesn't really ruin anything for me. So I'm gonna go three and a half because I it, it's a quick movie. It's breezy like you don't feel like you're sitting there slogging through anything and the characters are awesome okay um i'd give it a three so but i i mean i think we're on the same page here um now uh having just revisited these movies what um what version of uh of king kong i guess is is like your preferred version I guess because he's a little different in every movie, really. But um, I mean, I'll I'll just come out and say like where where I'm getting at is is my favorite is the original because he's still sympathetic, but he's not sympathetic in the way that everything fo- all the movies following uh, like every move every King Kong movie after this really played up like his relationship with people and like making him like, Oh, you know, see, like he's really just a big, like goofy softy, but this, the, the King Kong in the original is sympathetic, but he's still monstrous. He's still scary. Um, he's not sympathetic because he forms a connection, uh, with a human that cares for him. He's sympathetic because of what O'Brien put into that animation. Um, like he, he oozes personality when you, you see there's different facial expressions and just little things like when he breaks open the, the T-Rex's jaw, like how he plays with it. Like (laughs) he's curious. It's hilarious. Yeah. And, and just like the way that he interacts with Anne, I mean, Anne's terrified of him the whole movie, but you relate to his connection to Anne because you see him as an animal who is, you know, very, quizzical and he has this attachment to this thing almost the same way that like a child would have an an attachment to a toy where i think by everything all the movies after this almost made king kong seem like a giant almost like a giant pet which is almost a little bit more mighty joe young than king kong i would think right yeah it's a really good point and i'm i'm with you the original version of king kong is my preferred version for all the reasons you just listed, to be honest, because I think I like him more as kind of a unsympathetic character, not like the – I don't know. I, like in the in the remake, like the 76 version and King Kong Lives and um, 
the like it's, it's like he's almost lovey-dovey it's, it's kind of yeah. creepy honestly um, that, like it. yeah that really kind of started with uh king kong versus godzilla he's a little bit more ferocious like in this movie but i, th- I think that really started with king kong escapes yeah um, but like even even in that film he's not like creepily doing it like <laughs> giving characters like bass in the in the waterfall and blowing on blowing them dry like i'm just not okay with that yeah. stuff or... well i mean th- this one like like i said like he he rips ann's clothes off but i i think it's more it's yeah, more kind of like poking at her like with his finger and yeah kinda, like, yeah it's more yeah, just it's... him being fascinated by like oh who is this like a blonde girl like the like it's something that he hasn't seen before it's like a, a kid with a new toy whereas you know the romance angle i think is kind of overblown in everything after after this correct pretty much. And, and as you correctly said like uh and wants nothing to do with kong the entire movie even when he's getting killed like she does not want anything to do with him and then in the next movie is like all the characters are very sympathetic towards Kong, even to the point of like, hey, Kong, pick me up before the helicopters kill you and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which uh, <laughs> is not the same. Yeah, like, um, you, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, the, the whole Beauty and the Beast theme, it's, you know, Kong's fascinated by Anne's beauty, but he's not like, you know, it, it, it's not so much, a, I don't want to say sexual, because it's never really sexual, but it's, it's, it felt it's, that way for the '76 movie, man. I don't. Know. Well, that movie was made by crazy weirdos. Like, <laughs> we'll get into the making of that. that. The making of that movie is a clusterfuck. We'll deal with later on down the line. But are we going to talk about the uh, two Toho films, by the way? Uh, not not today, but yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Um, but yeah, once once you get to you know King Kong Escapes, where you have uh, you know Susan telling him like. You have to put me down because you know I eat here and I sleep here, and you know. <laughs> I mean, when you go to, when you get to that level, he's losing, I guess, yeah. the 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 monstrous part of the personality. Which I mean, that's I'm I'm okay with that. You know, it's a different version of the character, but um, you know, I, I am kind of hoping that the new Skull Island movie kind of takes it back to him also being a monster. Uh, the first movie I just think has has the best balance of both, where he's sympathetic because you, he acts like a real animal, and that couldn't be possible without Willis O'Brien's awesome animation and everything. But you also really fear him when he's on screen. And, I mean, especially that entrance. I mean, talk about building suspense to a great giant monster entrance i mean yeah knocking down yeah he he's he's truly terrifying and like i don't know there's something about the character that when you see him interact with stuff and you see the way that he's he's got this like sort of um i don't know what what do you even call it but like he's got this human inquisitiveness to him like he's he's not he's trying to like figure out his surroundings and as you talked about like him playing with the t-rex jaw or or whatever like he just he's got personality and like this thing was you see that a lot when he gets to new york because he's like what it like he doesn't he's like what the hell is like any of this like where am i he doesn't know what's going on he's like breaking trains and stuff and he's just trying to figure out where he's at um i don't know it's new the new york scene by the way um man it's 
I, I didn't realize it, but like, did you know? I mean, you probably knew this, but like, I guess uh, Marion Cooper was actually like shot in the plane. Like, he was the guy in the plane shooting. Yeah, him and uh, <laughs> Ernest Shodsack, who had directed it with him, are the yeah. They're two of the the pilots. Um, and, That's cold blooded, uh, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, in um, in the Jackson movie, he kind of did the same thing. Uh, Andy Serkis, um, Rick Baker. There's, I think he, Peter Jackson himself might be in there. Um, but yeah, Andy Serkis and Rick Baker have both played King Kong, too. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's always a, a fun piece of trivia. Um, well. <laughs> I got nothing else. <laughs> uh, well, King Kong's good. You should see it. I mean, if you haven't seen it at this point, I, like, I don't know, I always find it very odd, the, like, um, I don't know, because cer- certain people in the fandom, like, some people, that you know, they don't want to watch movie- Japanese or mo- monster movies that aren't Japanese. Some of them don't want to watch ones that aren't Godzilla, and I guess, I mean... Oh my gosh, I know, what's up, what is... Like, some of them won't even watch, like, War of the Gargantuas. Oh, Godzilla's not in it. And then, like, there's certain people where it's like, they don't want to watch anything that's not Toho, and certain people, they're like, oh, like, I don't want to watch anything like Ultraman, because it's superheroes, and I guess... Dude, I guess Ultraman is awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But I guess, like, um, I mean, hopefully, I guess in closing, making it, like, the goal of the podcast, I think, is, you know, hopefully some of those people might listen to us talk about these other movies that are awesome and and maybe, like, kind of expand their horizons. Like, the divide has always been very strange. Um, Like, the divide between, uh, like, um, like... Godzilla fans and like Ultraman fans. It's like at least give something else a shot or like like why like it's very strange that like um we consider Ultraman to be like a kaiju thing that we're all into but then like no one in that those circles like are into like Sentai or Power Rangers or Kamen Rider. It's like why? It's all you know, it it all kind of falls under the same blanket. And if one thing isn't your thing, that's fine. But it's just very strange. Like, within the last, like, ten years or so, Ultraman's been more accepted, I think. Probably because people are getting bored of waiting around for new Godzilla and Gamera movies. <laughs> um, but then, like, you look up, you go to, like, a, you know, kaiju forums. I mean, now Ultraman's big, but it's like, where's the... Where's the Sentai or Power Rangers stuff? Like if, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of really strange divides that I, I personally don't really see, but I mean, but in the fandom, they're very prominent and it's very, you know, I mean, same thing with people saying like, oh, I don't want to watch this cause this, you know, it's not, it's stop motion. It's like, well, if you love the Toho stuff, like give the Harryhausen stuff a shot. If you love the Harryhausen stuff, give the Toho stuff a shot. Like, I mean, I, I think that you're, if you open your horizons a little bit, you'll find that a lot of this stuff is a lot more similar than you might think. Yeah, I've had interactions with people that, like, they refuse to watch the uh, Heisei Gamera trilogy because it's not Godzilla. I'm like, dude, you're missing – I mean, arguably, I, I like all three films, but, like, two of those are, are top-tier monster movies, period. Mm-hmm. And I, I just – I don't understand why people would just – pass on what are good films yeah. that they would probably like and yeah I, th- I mean i think some stuff has been a little bit more accepted probably because it took 10 years between godzilla movies 
and you know people wanted to f- check out new stuff but now that we're getting spoiled again with a Godzilla movie a year it seems um you know i i think it's important for people to check out movies from other countries check out movies with other effects methods i mean if you like Godzilla I mean, there's a good chance you'll like Gamera. If you like that, there's a good chance you'll like Ultraman. If you like that, there's a good chance you'll like Kamen Rider. If you like Kamen Rider, you'll probably like Power Rangers. Like, keep going. I mean, you don't have to like everything, but, like, give it a shot, because there's so much good stuff out there. And, um, you know, I mean, with us going back and talking about the RKO Kong movies, I mean, maybe we're we're reaching some people that, you know, might have dismissed them earlier. So, I mean, please, go check them out, especially the original. I mean... Remember, everything that you guys love came from, from A.G. Subaraya seeing that movie and it changing his life. Yeah, I mean, the, the original King Kong is on par with the original Godzilla. I mean, that that's how, yeah. like, and there's not many movies I think you can really say about that as far as monster films, but it's true for Kong, at least for me. Yeah, uh, they, they stand hand in hand, I think. Um, I mean, hey, if you're bored one night, watch them both back to back. It'll, it, you probably won't have a better movie experience on your own couch than than doing that um so uh, i guess on that note we'll head off and um yeah i mean uh really if you haven't seen these movies there's no reason why you shouldn't have at this point just run don't walk and 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 pick up king kong (laughs) 